This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, thank you for the challenges and encouragements from your word. And I pray that you would challenge and encourage us afresh tonight by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what are you giving up for Lent? Anyone asked you that today or recently? It's not a bad question, but I want to ask a different question this Ash Wednesday evening. What are you hoping to gain in Lent? Now, you might think I've got this all backwards with a question like that, but stick with me and uh, I'll come back to it. The problem with what should I give up for Lent, that approach, is that it can sometimes seem like a sort of arm-twisting exercise to get God to be nice to us, or a guilt-driven method we employ to try harder to be better people. Sadly, honestly, for some people, their picture of God is that he's basically mad at them because they are such disappointments. And if that is your picture of God, then you may feel that because God's disappointed in you, Lent's a good time to grovel. If you think God has used up most of his love for you and you are now in debt to him and must try and skimp and save your way out of that debt, then I suppose in some reality it makes sense that you would give stuff up for Lent, beat yourself up, cut back on anything that might be vaguely enjoyable, feel really bad about yourself, and maybe in return God won't hammer you, or at least not quite as hard as he would if you didn't give up chocolate or wine or whatever. And of course, that's all absurd. And if that is how you are approaching Lent, I have to say this is a really terrible strategy for getting out of your debt to God. For starters, given the miserable sinners that you all are, I guarantee you will fail in your austerity measures and you will just feel even worse than you do now. But what if God is not mad at you after all? What if he hasn't run out of love for you? What if he is kind and gracious, merciful and generous beyond your imagination? Which, of course, he is. And if that's right, then giving things up out of guilt or fear in the hope that you might thereby appease his wrath is not an appropriate way to enter Lent. How about instead spending yourself liberally for God and for others? How about investing for the future by storing up treasure? How about living your life with a profound sense of the abundance that we have in Christ? What if you could live in the expectation of receiving a fantastic return on your investment? What if you could live in a way that guarantees you marvelous rewards? Sound too good to be true? Well, listen to what Jesus says. 
from our gospel passage today. Jesus says, verse 3, When you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret. And your father who sees in secret will what? Reward you. Verse 6, whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will what? Reward you. Verse 17, when you fast. Put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will what? Reward you. And then to top it all, Jesus says, verse 20, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Here's the surprising thing. If you do these things, pray, give, fast, you stand to get a lot out of it. Now, you may think, but that's, that's terrible reason to observe Lenten discipline. Surely we're not to do these things for what we can get out of them. Isn't the whole point that we're doing these things out of piety and with penitent hearts without any thought of reward or benefit? Well, certainly these practices are part of our piety and yes, we should have contrite hearts. And yet, Three times Jesus specifically speaks of our Father in heaven rewarding us. The real question is not whether you'll get a reward. The question is, what kind of reward will you receive? Let's look at these three examples. If you give money to the poor and you kind of make a thing of it, well, then you can expect, I guess, the admiration and praise of others. That'll be your reward. Or... You can give secretly and trade the praise of others for a reward from your Heavenly Father. If you pray and you somehow make a big deal of it and others see how devout you are, then maybe you'll get the reward of some people thinking that you're a good Christian. Or you can pray in secret and be rewarded by God. If you fast and look dismal and terribly holy, then maybe you'll be rewarded by some people thinking how devout you are. Or you can fast in secret and receive the reward that comes from God. Jesus warns us, beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. What is clear from this scripture is that Jesus expects us invites us, wants us to pray and give and fast. These practices are ways of expressing our commitment to God and to others and to ourselves. In each case, the disciplines, the, the giving something up or doing something positive are a means to an end. The end being the blessing and closeness and all the rewards that come from a life that is lived not for ourselves or the approval of others, but first and foremost, for God. When we give alms, we're seeking to help our neighbor, especially the neighbor in need. We serve Christ in others, and in doing so, we are blessed. I don't know how many of you have served a meal at Shepherd's Heart, the church for the homeless. And, and it, hands up if you've done that. I know many of you have. I don't know how it was with you, 
But for me, I have to say, I was blessed way more than any kind of blessing I may have been. When we pray, we are seeking to come near to God. We're demonstrating to him our dependence on him. And we will not be disappointed, but rewarded. And when we fast, the, the reward is not so much that those of us who, who might need to might lose a pound or two, rather that this simple act of self-denial is a form of discipline that can help us draw nearer to God. And you know, when we experience cravings for whatever it is we fasted from, and it could be food or TV or social networking, it could be anything that you've decided to not consume and not participate in, then we may also get in touch with much deeper spiritual longing. So, you know, I, I, I want to share with you in, in and I, I don't really like to admit it, but I have been fasting today. Um, but here's what's been happening with me. As I've been mindful of feeling a bit hungry, I've been mindful and reminded of others in the world who are very hungry. I've been reminded of the suffering for the people in Ukraine who are frightened and hiding and in terror and maybe can't get to food. And that has helped me pray for others. This is kind of how this thing works. It's intensely practical. That's why we practice these things. Whereas material cravings are never satisfied, God can and does satisfy our spiritual longings. In, in Ascension's uh, uh, booklet of daily prayers and the lectionary for this season, and I commend it to you, and you can get a copy at, at the back as you leave in the narthex, um, you'll find here three pages of tips and resources for Lent. And this year, we're offering suggestions of ways that you can practice fasting. And so for today, Ash Wednesday, the suggestion is to fast from food, or at least for a meal. And, and each week, and the first week of Lent begins on Sunday, there's a different suggested fast. So week one, we're suggesting, and it is just a suggestion, it's not a, a, a demand or a requirement, but it might be helpful. We're suggesting that you take a fast, you give up TV or music or media, something like that. And then in week two, give up sweets and treats. In week three, fast from social media. In week four, take a fast from spending. And in week five, take a fast maybe from coffee or some other drink. And week six, your choice. The directions Jesus gave were very different from each other. Not eating, praying, and giving to the poor. Those are quite different. And yet the common denominator from our gospel is actually found in where the people were going wrong with these things. And that was that they too often did these things wanting to be seen, wanting approval. One writer in a book about spiritual disciplines writes about what he calls approval addiction. Listen to what he says. Some people live in bondage to what others think of them. The addiction takes many forms. If we find ourselves getting hurt by what others say about us, by people expressing other than glowing opinions about us, we probably have it. If we habitually compare ourselves with other people, if we find ourselves getting competitive in the most ordinary situations, 
we probably have it. Like other addicts, we will go to great lengths to get a fix when we are desperate. Yet like other addicts, we find that no fix lasts forever. So we keep coming back for more. End quote. Henri Naum puts this problem in perspective. At issue here is the question, to whom do I belong? To God or the world? Many of my daily preoccupations suggest that I belong more to the world than to God. A little criticism makes me angry, and a little rejection makes me depressed. A little praise raises my spirits, and a little success excites me. Often, I am like a small boat on the ocean, completely at the mercy of its waves. The alternative to this addiction is a life of freedom. And in this alternative way of living, we give, we pray, we fast, we take on disciplines, whether in Lent or at any time, in order that we may be set free from these things that so consume us and get us addicted and create space for us to draw nearer to God. And so I hope that this Lent you will practice this freedom by doing the things that Jesus calls us to do in secret without regard to what others uh, may think of us. And this practice of secrecy can be really liberating for those who've become trapped by a desire to be seen or, or to impress. And so my challenge to you as you are called this day to the observance of a holy Lent is this. Whether you are giving things up or taking things on, do what you are going to do for God in secret and for rewards that will last. So you can do this, for example, by praying for someone this Lent. Just don't tell them that you're praying for them. You can do this by giving something to someone anonymously or through spending time with someone without them knowing that's what you're doing. It's okay to do things in the expectation of getting a return from them. Just don't sell yourself short by seeking the return of approval or praise. When we practice the disciplines of fasting and praying and giving, to name just these three, we can and should expect that by doing so, something might happen in us. That we might actually come closer to God, that we might experience more of him. You know, when I pray, I expect that it will make a difference. I mean, if it doesn't, then what's the point? But there's every point in praying. When we remember that God is God, and I am not, and he is a God who hears and answers prayer, who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. In a way, it comes down to a sense of priorities. At the start of our Lent, both of our scripture passages today challenge us about our priorities. First, as we saw from the Old Testament reading from the prophet Joel, God calls us to get our priorities straight. Even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Use this Lent to get right with God. If you've drifted away 
I'm particularly delighted that you're here or that you're, you're watching this. Come back. And if you have gotten out of the habit of, of praying and reading the Bible each day and of waiting on God, well, this is a great opportunity for a reset to get back into that good habit. And secondly, from our gospel reading, we hear this challenge to practice our piety, that is the giving, the praying, and the fasting, to practice it. Just like in any other relationship, loving, serving, being kind and unselfish, it takes practice, it takes work, it takes commitment. Giving things up for Lent is a good thing to do insofar as you do them in secret and as you do them with an eye on the rewards that God has for you. But above all today, hear what the Lord says to you. Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Return to the Lord, for he will abundantly pardon you. Return to the Lord. Let his compassion speak to you. Return to the Lord. He will cleanse all your faithlessness. Let him renew your spirit by his grace. Amen.